the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, episode 532 for Sunday, December 21st, 2014. Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, the show. You send in questions, tips, cool stuff found. We talk about your questions, answer your tips, and share cool stuff found. Sometimes not in that order or even with those assignments. And uh, the goal being, of course, for all of us to learn new stuff when we get together here. This episode is sponsored by uh, Barebones Software at Barebones.com, the makers of the great BB Edit software. Uh, now at BB Edit 11, sponsored by Gazelle at Gazelle.com. You can sell off all your old iOS stuff, and you can also buy refurbished iOS uh, or Apple devices, iPhones, iPads, that sort of thing from Gazelle at gazelle.com. And also Drobo, drobostore.com. The coupon code HOLIDAYGEEK gets you 90 bucks off a Gen 3 Drobo, a Drobo 5D, or a Drobo 5N. So check that out, too. We'll talk more about all of those during the show here in Durham, New Hampshire. I'm Dave Hamilton. And here in very dark, crippled Connecticut. This is John F. Braun. It is Sunday evening, uh, which is, it's uh, not a, not an unfamiliar time for us, but one that we have not visited lately due to all kinds of crazy scheduling. And it almost seemed like today we weren't going to make it here. And yet here we are. So that's a good thing. But it's also a special day, Dave, is that today happens to be, for those of us in this part of the uh, world, to, to uh, happy win- winter solstice day. It is happy winter solstice. That's right. Yeah, shortest day of the year. Are we going to have time to do the podcast, you think? <laughs> There's still 24 I, hours in the day. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, I think we will. I'll, okay. I'll, I'll make time. Okay. If you make time. We'd love to make time. For all of us. That's right. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so John, yeah, you're, I, I'm hearing from people in the chat room at macgeekgab.com slash stream that John's audio fades in and out a little bit. I don't know if you're moving away from your mic, but, um, it could have to do with the fact that we've got you running, running through a slightly different path, but all the compressions in there today, but hopefully a path that doesn't crackle, which is the most important thing. So, um, other than that little tale of, well, John, I have uh, this 2014 will go out, go down in at least my history and perhaps our history as the year of the dying IMAX, because on Friday, I um, my IMAX, my 27 inch IMAX from 2011 that I use as my daily driver at my desk, uh, just shut off, just powered off about 11 o'clock in the morning, I guess, sometime right around that. And uh, and I just knew it. this wasn't, you know, that. For some reason, the the, the UPS had, had died or whatever. I knew it was the computer, and uh, sure enough, it it I, I I hit the button. It uh, would not power on. I gave it about ten minutes. I went to power it back on. It did. It came up halfway, shut off again. The furthest it would ever get is all the way to the Finder, and that's in safe mode or not safe mode. And then it would just completely power down. So I was like, wow, this is re- like super. If those of you that only half pay attention to this show would be like saying, why is Dave revisiting this issue from the summer that he had with his iMac? It's a different iMac. This is the, the one over the summer was the iMac in the studio. The one uh, right now is the iMac downstairs. So 
Um, I figured, well, been through this once before, and I really had come to believe that it was the PRAM battery last time, uh, based on a lot of conversations that I had with several of you. Uh, so I, I immediately, uh, my son, when, when he got home from school, I had some stuff to do, but when he got home, he helped me. We popped it open. We replaced the PRAM battery. No dice. Does have a new PRAM battery in it, though, so that's nice to know, I guess. Uh, that didn't do it. So I ordered a power supply from uh, I fix it because I kind of figured that might be it. And they were uh, kind enough. I mean, I paid them for overnight shipping, but they were kind enough to get it out on Friday. And actually, it arrived today on Sunday via UPS. So it is here, but my iMac is not. Because between the moment that I ordered the power supply um, and now, I realized, you know, it's interesting. My computer's out of war. And this is, this is kind of the, 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 uh, the beginning of the takeaway here. Although I know that there's... that. Um, a lot of you pick up things that we don't even intend to be knowledge points and, and they work well for you. So, uh, but it seems to me that, that something dawned on me. I thought, you know, my machine's out of warranty. Now, it's possible that whatever's wrong with it might be covered under some sort of warranty extension, right? So it's always worth getting that question answered. But, um, but chances are, whatever's wrong with it, I've got to, you know, shell out for. And if it's the logic board, then suddenly we're in like time to buy a new iMac territory, right? Because those things aren't cheap. But um, it hit me. I thought, you know, if I make a Genius Bar appointment, which I did for this morning, I bring it in. They don't charge you for diagnosis there. And they'll tell me exactly what's wrong with this. And they'll also tell me what it's going to cost to fix it. But the diagnosis at the Genius Bar is free. So I, I, I went. I brought my computer in. Um, we went through all kinds of stuff. Initially, sort of the, 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 um, the quick diagnostics. They couldn't really find anything wrong with it, but we were able to replicate the issue, of, you know, but they couldn't like their tests didn't show anything wrong. And um, and their tests all ran fine, which was interesting. But he pointed out to me, the guy that I was working with said, uh, that's not surprising, especially if it's a power issue, because our tests don't really tax the machine in a way that's going to cause it to um, like the CPUs to spike and those types of things, which draw power. So I said, all right, fair enough. They said, do you mind leaving it? No. And then they took it in the back and, you know, for several hours, ran it through all kinds of tests and, and diagnosed exactly what was wrong with it. And they say that it's the power supply. They called me a little while ago. They may actually call me during the show. And if they do, I probably will uh, pause the show and take that call. But uh, just to keep the, the path moving, because I do need this machine. But um, the, uh, you know, you get free diagnostic help. So they called me a couple hours ago uh, and said, it's the power supply. Now, I, I actually have a spare power supply here. Uh, and the iFixit folks were great to me, and I highly recommend you use them. They, they aren't sponsors of this episode. They have sponsored the show in the past, but we've loved them regardless of their level of sponsorship of the show. Uh, but I'm going to advise you, at least I'm going to tell you that I'm not going to use iFixit on this one. I'm probably going to send this back. I'll pay a restocking fee and, and obviously eat the shipping, the, the, the exorbitant overnight shipping fee that I paid for. But the... Um, the cost of a new power supply from Apple was significantly less than it would have been for my fix it. That wasn't really my it's I mean, it's significantly less percentage wise. It's probably about a $50 Delta. It's not a big deal, but, um, but, but it installed, it was less, it was like 50 bucks less than what I would have paid elsewhere. And they install it for me, which gets me two things. The least important of those two is that they install it and then continue to test and make sure that that's the only problem. And the fact that I haven't heard from them and it's been several hours either indicates that they're really busy or they found something else. But they probably would call me if they in either case. So um, we'll, we'll find out. 
Uh, that's nice, and that's certainly worth paying for. But the second part is the definitely the, the most important thing. They will deal with getting the dust off of the screen before they put the glass back on. And on a 27-inch iMac, that is a monumental task. That's certainly the hardest part about taking the iMac apart is, is making sure you do not leave dust inside when, uh, when they put it back together. So, and it was like, it's like 106 bucks, including labor, to swap out the power supply in this thing. Wow. I know. So That's I was like, yeah, go, do it. Pretty darn reasonable. It, and, it's reasonable. And I do believe... And I do believe, even if it's an out-of-warranty repair, that they, I don't know if they warranty it for, what, 90 days? I or, think that's or, right. Yeah, yeah. I've got to talk to him about I'll find out. But I think you're right. I think this particular part will be warrantied for 90 days. I think that's right. Yeah. But yeah. if it makes it past, it, in my experience, if a hardware repair like that makes it past a day, then they probably got it right. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Unless there's something wrong. I mean, this is the power supply, right? So it, you know, I had, uh, and there was a, a great thread on my Facebook page where a lot of people were chiming in and, and uh, one of my um, friends, Owen there was, was saying uh, it it's, you know, this definitely sounds like the power supply, which, you know, I think we all kind of agree with. And he said, he's seen it many times where the capacitors just sort of start to bulge and, you know, it, things don't work right uh, when that happens. So. So that's uh, that's where it is right now. Hopefully, by the next time we all chat here, that problem is uh, simply a memory. But it did make me again think, well, maybe it is really time for that uh, Retina iMac. So that might be coming sooner than we think. I have not ordered it yet, um, but uh, but I, you know, I started kind of making making. I, I mean, I, if it turns and it still may, if it turns out to be the logic board, I, I think a replacement is probably a cheaper solution. Now a retina replacement is not the cheaper solution, <laughs> but, um, but if, you know, if I've got to head down that path, I, I probably would, would step down that way. So, yeah. So, you know, don't be afraid to use, I, I guess, I guess the real takeaway is don't be afraid to use Apple even just, just because you're out of warranty. Um, they provide free diagnostics. So even if, even if I wanted to do the power supply myself, Having them say, yeah, we've tested it and your power supply is bad. That's super helpful, right? I mean, and, and for free. That's a great, that's great customer service, if you ask me. So, that's my feeling on it, John. I'm with you on that, Dave. Yeah. And speaking of broken IMAX, Dave, I think that's a great lead into uh, perhaps our first uh of woe it is with the exception of uh and we still need to get john's audio louder yes i know um i want to talk about our first sponsor which is oh. bare bones uh barebones software at barebones.com and uh bb edit 11 is their latest and greatest uh text editor i mean it's the latest and greatest incarnation of their flagship product uh bb edit their text editor this is it's crazy how excited and how reliant I am on a text editor, even when I'm not doing programming, right? But if you're doing any kind of coding for your own website, for, you know, if you're doing a programming project, right? You know, all kinds of, uh, even if you're, if you're editing HTML, if you're editing JavaScript, uh, if you're editing PHP, certainly this is uh, where you want to go. And even if you're you're saving it elsewhere and, and uploading it, BB Edit will do that uploading for you. But the nice part is when you're in the app, you take what's raw text and it 
highlights it for you in a way that makes it really easy. It's subtle highlighting, but um, coloring, I guess, is really the right word. Um, it's subtle. It's it's not. It doesn't get in the way. It enhances it. It lets you see. Ah, okay. This block of code is you know, this shade of, of whatever color. And it just makes it easy to quickly see as you're scrolling through. Okay. This is where this starts. This is where this ends. Um, this is in quotes, which is super helpful. Uh, you know, I, I honestly, I can't imagine how many mistakes I would have made if it weren't for BB edit, uh, highlighting when you've got something in quotes, because if you leave a quote, a dangled quote, right. You know, with, where you don't close out a quote thing, your code just dies in a lot of languages, not everyone, but in a lot of languages, you know, you know how it is, John, your code just dies. And, uh, and it's simple. You just close the quote. Well, it's super easy to see when your entire page is like red because it, everything's inside quotes like, Oh yeah, yeah. I got to close that right here. And then you're golden. Um, BB edit really makes that simple. It also makes it simple for non-programming things. If you just need to sort text or count words, um, I use it all the time to, uh, compare documents and one of the cool new things in bb edit 11 is its new document comparison thing uh you put two text files in it it actually opens up a three pane window now uh, two big panes at the top you know one left and one right and then one pane at the bottom the pane at the bottom lists through the differences in the files and when you click on one of those differences it highlights the lines in both files of where those different and highlights where the differences are in those lines so it really makes it super simple uh, to compare all kinds of things. Obviously, it's built for comparing code and seeing what changes are there. But I use it to compare differences in Apple EULAs. I save every Apple user license agreement, you know, for iTunes and, and OS X and all of that stuff. And, uh, and I can pop, you know, the new one in. I pop the old one in and boom, it shows me. It's like, oh, yeah, there's changes in here, but they're, they're nothing. Or, wow, there is one really big change. We need to alert, you know, you folks or our readers at TMO about that. So I, it, it's, uh, it's a tool that is always running on my computer, and uh, my guess is it should always be running on yours, too. It's certainly worth trying it out. You can go get a, a free trial at barebones.com. When you're ready to buy, it's 49 bucks. also at barebones.com. They moved out of the App Store because it gives them the freedom to do the things that they need to do with the app to make it great for you. So check it out, barebones.com, and uh, download your free trial and check it out of BB Edit. Barebones.com. Thanks, Barebones, folks. We, uh, we love you. And I, and I, I think the feeling is mutual. It's a good thing. All right, John, take us to Leslie. Tell us about re restoring data from a dead iMac. Hopefully I don't have to do that. Actually, all my data is backed up. Um, most of it. Well, all good. Of it, all of it, just not in the places I would want it. I have some pictures that the only places they exist are crash plan. And that's great because they exist. But if I have to download like 30 gigs of pictures, eh, you know, it'll take a little while. It won't take that long. It's really right. There are worse problems to have. So Leslie's tale of woe is as follows. My 09 iMac. It's even older than yours, Dave. Yeah, two hey, years old. 09. Yeah. Keep on rolling. Awesome. That's right. So my 09 iMac only boots to a white screen, and I want to replace the computer. I have a time machine backup. Awesome. But I don't want to do a complete restore. I want to bring back my iTunes and iPhoto files along with my downloads folder. After booting my new computer and configuring it as new, can I simply attach my two terabyte time machine drive to a three terabyte Fusion 5K iMac? Ah, so in this case, Dave, the decision has already been made. The decision's been made. I like it. Yes. 
I, I think you should roll with that. So um, I'm, it, I'm really so, close. I was close a month ago. So, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm close. So yeah. if so, what folders do I restore to get all my iTunes and iPhoto files with smart folders, rankings, et cetera, still intact? By the way, my MacBook Air can see the iMac, but won't allow me to connect. My guess is that it's a logic board problem as opposed to a hard drive problem. There were vertical bands of gibberish on the screen. Originally, after rebooting, I only get a white screen. Does it sound like it's worth bringing it to the Apple Store to repair? Bonus question. If I can no longer log into my old iMac, is there a way to deauthorize it in iTunes? So, so we got not one, not two, but three questions, I think, Dave. And I'm going to address this as follows. So, number one, thank you for making a backup to Time Machine. Um, my personal commentary is that it... it it's certainly better than nothing, but it does limit you in a sense. And I'll talk about this a bit more. So the thing is, you can, when you set up the new machine, and I've actually gone through this exercise, Dave, because I want, I want to verify some things that I, I wasn't sure about. So you can use Migration Assistant. This is a wonderful tool that Apple makes, and, and I think it's, it's pretty slick. Um, and the current version of the Migration Assistant, when you fire it up, at some point, it'll say, hey, um, do you have another machine you want me to suck the data out of? And uh, if so, um, you know, there's a few different categories uh, of data that, that I can pull in. Which ones would you like me to pull in? So it does give you a level of granularity, Dave. The only it thing does. is they don't give you the level that they used to. They actually, and I, I looked in the archives of Mac support articles, and they actually used to let you get down to the nitty gritty of saying, I would like to pull over my iTunes and my iPhoto and stuff like that, but they don't anymore. So what happens right now is if you do run, um, so first they have a, a wonderful support article, and it's called Move Your Data to a New Mac. And we will, of course, link to that in the lovingly handcrafted show notes, which I lovingly handcraft, Dave, with BB edit, believe it or not. Hey, this is just a great tool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So there's the article. And what happens right now, Dave, with the current incantation of migration assist, and it will get to a certain point where when you set up a new Mac, it'll say, hey, um, you know, you want me to pull some data over right now? Unfortunately, the level of granularity you get is as follows. As it says, you want me to pull over applications? Um, you want me to pull over your user data? So uh, the, this is, you know, based on your user account or your home folder. And then there's another category, computer and network settings, as well as another other files and folders, whatever the heck that is. So one way you could do this is you could select um, just your old user account. Now, yes, that will pull over cruft or it will pull over everything in your home folder. Now, the good news is that that's going to include, uh, you know, the criteria here, where's my iTunes and my iPhone iPhoto stuff. Well, yes, that's going to come over. So iTunes data is stored in your home folder, in your music folder, last I checked. And your iPhoto stuff is stored in your iPhoto library, in your pictures folder within your home directory. So you could do that. You're going to pull over stuff you may not want. Now, you could just whack it once you're done, but it will pull it over. Um... And then at that point, once you start up the apps, uh, if you if you choose to use the migration assistant, uh, my experience has been when you start up the the appropriate apps, it'll just pull everything over as as if nothing has changed. That's the power of migration assistant. Yeah, I did that last night because I have, I've done something stupid with the way my iMac set up 
and I clone it. It, it has the SSD and a one terabyte drive in it, but my machine came pre-fusion drive and I'm happy about that. So I, I, I have them set up differently and I actually clone to my internal drive. I, there, there's, there's a, there's a lack of wisdom in that uh, because at the moment I can't take that clone and do anything with it because it's sitting at the Apple store with the main boot drive. So it doesn't serve the purpose of getting me up and running on a different machine. So I will be changing my backup uh, routine. So I took my time machine backup, one of the three that I do, because I have lots of drives here and it doesn't hurt. And I, I installed a new version of OS 10 Yosemite on a drive that was hanging off my laptop. And then I restored time machine to that. And, uh, and it works fine. You know, it asks, right. It does everything you just described. So, and it does, it, it asks right in the beginning and, and over the stuff goes and it works great. Things launch as though, for the most part, as though it's it's you know it's the same machine. It might need a password here and there for for different things, uh, for you know a login here, a login there. But otherwise, it you know it feels the same on a much smaller screen for me, twenty seven down to eleven. But you know that's okay. Right, right. So to continue. If you use Migration Assistant, you you should be cool. You should be able to just run the apps, and and it's like nothing ever changed. Right. Um, another option if you want to get adventurous, but now this. Uh, and, and as they pointed out here, uh, getting into the latest IMAX is, is not a trivial task. And it sounds like to me, in this case, you can't do what, what is known as target disk mode. It sounds like this machine is is kind of dead to the world. So you're not going to be able to get to it. Uh, right. Other than by accessing your backup. Uh, right. Again, kudos for doing a backup. Uh, the more, the better. Um, but if you are adventurous or you know someone who helped you with this, you could pop the drive out of that machine and then use an enclosure my big favorite dave and actually i have got a whole bunch of these now especially since i just got an ssd upgrade uh, uh owc max sales uh makes a wonderful very inexpensive like on the order of 20 bucks it's very basic enclosure this is all it does it's a usb3 enclosure which if you have usb3 is a no-brainer yep you're five gigabits so i have a number of these now any drive any enclosure i get now is one of these because now i have usb3 so you could pull the drive out of that machine, uh, put it in an enclosure, and uh, try to manually copy uh, the appropriate uh, folders. Uh, again, it would be your uh, uh, iTunes folder and your music folder and your iPhoto library in your pictures folder. You can copy those over. You may have to uh, point the various programs to the right library because they may not know where to go. And typically with... Most Apple programs, if when you start them, you hold down, I believe it's option. When you launch them, it'll be like, hey, what, uh, do you want to make a new library or which one do you want me to open? Yeah, please tell me. So that's another option. So that's, uh, that's answering the first question of how to bring over uh, the stuff that you need uh, to a new installation on a shiny new uh, 5K machine. Congratulations. So number two, um, the question was, should I bring my machine to the Genius Bar and or, or Apple store and uh, get an estimate on a repair. Well, as they pointed out, Hey, certainly can't hurt. Right. Uh, my experience as yours is that they're not going to charge you for that, which they certainly could. And some places I, do. And you know, you got, you got to say, you know, it takes their time and their expertise to, to do a diagnosis. Some places charge for it. Some don't, you know, I, I, I would not pay a lot for someone to do a diagnosis. You know, I, I, I would say that that's probably something in my humble opinion, not worth more than, you know, if you're talking tens of dollars, sure. A diagnostic sure. fee or a bench fee. Sure. That that's reasonable. Yep. Anything beyond that, uh, you know, um, but Hey, yeah, it's a $50 it thing, but you know, but the thing is Apple might spend hours diagnosing your machine right. 
and and I mean it's it's their choice to do this, uh, and they're you know they're upfront about it. It's fine, but um, but it's hugely valuable. There's no reason not to bring it into them because then you know, and you might wind up with a, a repair that for a hundred bucks your machine works again. Right, I so, might um, too. Yeah, <laughs> and I so might you can not. go to them. Yeah. They'll give you. Um, you know, I've had this happen both with computers and cars and stuff like that. They'll give you their best guess. Uh, I don't think any place can guarantee, well, what we think is wrong is wrong. Mm. Like in your case, Dave, it may not be the power supply. Like like you're indicating, it sounds like, because they're not, they haven't gotten back to you, they may have found another problem. And that happens with diagnostics. So yep. You replace one part yep. and a problem with another part comes up. That There's no way to avoid this. That That's just the way it's just work. how it works. That's right. Yeah. No, um, it's totally true. So, you know, they, 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 they're they not trying to deceive you. At least I hope they're not. And I'm, I'm sure that they're not. They're, they're doing their best. You know, and I think most of them have a script. It's like, okay, you know, uh, you know, do this. Okay, your initial guess is the power supply is bad. Replace the power supply. Verify that it works. If it doesn't, then it, it could, in fact, be that the power supply got whacked. Right. So, anyways, just to wrap this up here. Um, bring it to the Apple Store. Let them do a... a, a let them do diagnostic, uh, get an estimate, and then you have to use your uh, uh, determine whether the amount of money that they say it will take to fix that is worth it to you, or you may just want to invest in a new machine or getting more hard drive or RAM on some of your other uh, pieces of, uh, of uh, uh, Mac equipment. And the final question is, if you can no longer log into your old iMac, is there a way to deauthorize in iTunes? And the answer is, if you can't log into the machine, the answer is no. Well, kind of. Well, what you can do, well, I'll tell you. Well, you you know what I'm going to say. The thing is, is you can get to a point. So, so yeah, the thing is you need to be able to log into the machine to deauthorize it, to pull it off of the list, which I guess right now is five machines under an account that you can authorize. The thing is you can do a global deauthorized everything everywhere, and then you have to reauthorize your machines. So the answer is no, but yes. (laughs) Right. So yeah. the answer is no, you can't deauthorize a machine that's totally dead and you can't log into anymore, but you can do a deauthorize all and have to reauthorize the, the individual machines again. Yeah. And you do that inside iTunes. Uh, you dig into your account and it'll show you how many computers are authorized and then you can just hit deauthorize all. Um, yeah. Works great. You know, speaking of, uh, of iTunes, John, there's uh, we've got a couple of questions about uh about iTunes. Tom asks, he says, I'm interested in adding my adult daughter to my family sharing account. I seem to recall you, uh, Dave, saying that it was possible to have someone in your family sharing and for them also to have the ability to purchase items with their own separate account. Is that right? Do you have to do this by, by having two Apple IDs? I don't want to mess things up here, so I'd appreciate your expert wisdom. So, yeah, um, it, it does. Um, it is possible, but here's the, here's the thing. There's two ways to do it. Um, and, and I am assuming the goal here is to add her to your account so that she has access to all the apps that you purchase. And then you want her to be able to purchase her own apps without charging you, which, which makes sense. Uh, there's two ways to do it. Number one is, as you said, having two iTunes store accounts. Um, it's not altogether different from her using one account for her stuff and then her use, knowing your username and password to get uh, your apps. Obviously, she would need your username and password, and that's what we did prior to family sharing, uh, right, being introduced. Now you can add her. Once she is added, though, on that one account, she cannot make purchases of her own 
And there's an asterisk there. We'll talk about the asterisk in a minute. So yes, she would need a separate account, one that's part of your group and then one that's her own. The problem with that is it requires the log in, log out, log, or log out, log in, log out, log in mess to, you know, get your apps and update the apps that come from you and all of that. It gets to be a little bit cumbersome, totally doable though, and keeps everything completely separate. The other way to do it would be to assign her main account to your family share account and then use gift cards for her to purchase stuff for herself. The way gift cards work, and this drives me crazy, but might work great for you. Uh, the way gift cards work is gift cards as assigned to uh, any account inside your family share group, including the master account, are only used when that particular account purchases an app. So if your daughter has $20 in gift cards on her account and she's part of your family share group, you will, would not be purchasing against her gift card balance of $20. You would purchase against the one main credit card that you have assigned. Similarly, if you have a $20 gift card balance on your account, even though it's master, your daughter's purchases would not go against your gift card. It would go against your credit card. That's the part that I think is stupid because what's the difference? Uh, why not let other people, if you're going to let people buy against your credit card, you should let them buy against your gift card, but it doesn't work that way. So your daughter could buy her own gift cards, add those to her account and then purchase that way. This has two benefits. Number well, it has three. Number one, you get uh, the uh, everybody on, you know, she can just have one account. It works fine. Uh, uh, number two, you would get access to her purchases as much as she would get access to yours. And then, um, you know, number three, it, it, it keeps the money all straight. So that's um, that's probably the way I would go. The cool part is keep an eye on this. PayPal has their PayPal gifts program and uh, yeah, probably about three or four times a year. They do a special for about 24 hours or while supplies last on iTunes gift cards and they sell iTunes gift cards for 20% off. So you can get a hundred dollar iTunes gift card for 80 bucks or a $50 one for 40 bucks. And um, that's typically what I wind up doing just to keep an account going. And, and then I'm buying everything at, at uh, you know, 20% off. So that's, uh, that's my, that's my thoughts on that one. Do you have anything to add to that one, John, before we mosey on down the path? No, but I don't share. So I uh, yeah, we've we've discussed this. That's right. Um, <laughs> Chrissy has a, a, an iTunes related question. She says, uh, "With my new 128 gig iPhone 6 Plus coming, uh, I will have more storage, and would love to be able to uh, plug my iPhone into my Mac to keep auto syncing my playlists." I already downloaded iMazing to perform my backups to an external drive, so she's manually doing backups with iMazing, which is fine, um, that I stash away for safekeeping. So I ran the nifty terminal command to disable backups via iTunes. Uh, however, I can't find something similar for app syncing. I don't understand the point of it all. You can always download apps again if needed uh, and if they're present in your backups. Um, iMazing will even allow you to extract individual apps from your backups with the data and install them later. Okay, so... Uh, your apps are actually not backed up as part of your backup. The app's data is backed up as part of your backup, but the app files themselves are not. Those would have to be reinstalled. Again, like you said, from the store, if the app is still available in the store, and it's possible you might run something that is no longer in the store, and if you don't have the application file itself backed up, you cannot put it back on just by having a backup of your data. Um, so you, you may want to keep these files, but assuming you don't, uh, I don't think 
there's any rule that says apps have to sync back. However, there's two things that might cause apps to appear on your Mac. Number one, go into iTunes on your Mac, go to preferences, go to store and uncheck the apps checkbox from the automatic download section. That way you're not going to be automatically downloading anything you buy uh, elsewhere. That's step one. Steps two, it is possible that your computer is set to transfer purchases from your iPhone back to your computer when you back up or when you sync. Um, I believe that is a setting and you can tell it not to do that, but there is no way to go in. It asks you the first time it sees that you have something on your phone that you don't have on your computer. Do you want to transfer purchases? And if you say yes, it never asks you again. Uh, so I, I think what you can do is go into iTunes, uh, highlight the, um, it, uh, if you, if you click on where your uh, device is in iTunes on the summary tab at the bottom is a reset warnings button. If you reset that, it should then again, ask you, do you want to transfer purchases the next time that scenario happens? And you simply say no, and that should do it. That should get you back in business. So there's, there's two little, two little tidbits related to iTunes kind of going, going in different directions, but, um, but that's where we are. Any, any thoughts on that, John, before I, before I have something else to tell them about here? Um, no, other than I still have Flappy Bird on my phone. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can't get it anymore. Yeah, you can't get it anymore. That's right. Yeah, and it like here's, probably, a, probably a good thing for most people's sanity. Right. right. But here's the thing. If I had bought Flappy Bird and didn't save a copy of it somewhere and wanted it, I couldn't even go to you and say, hey, John, can you send me your copy of Flappy Bird? You can, of course. But the first time I go to run it or the first time I go to sync it to my phone uh, from iTunes, it'll say, hey, give me John's whatever your iCloud account right. is. I don't know what that is, but, you know, give me John's the password for this iCloud account that it was purchased with. And if I don't know or can't guess your password um, and I'm guessing I probably cannot, uh, then I'm not going to be able to run that. So it really is important to keep your own and keep an archive uh, of everything. So no, it's, it's a password. Oh, oh, right. Yeah. Shh. Don't, don't, <laughs> I, I, that's, I knew that. I just didn't want to say it on the show. So, but the thing is, you're right. Is normally these, uh, I think they're still dot IPA files, which I'm going to guess yeah. is uh, iPhone app or iOS app or whatever. But yeah, they're normally signed by the owner or the downloader of the app. And if you try to put it on another machine, it'll say, Hey, you know, you, you have to verify. Yeah. So I can verify this. Uh, we'll call it an app signature. Otherwise, no, no, no go. Right. Yeah. No go. That's right. All right. I want to talk about our second sponsor, which is Gazelle at gazelle.com. Uh, you know, the folks at Gazelle have been sponsors here for a long time. And, uh, and we certainly appreciate that. It's because they do good work over there. Um, we, we hear great things about them uh, when we use them ourselves and we hear great things about them from many, many of you, uh, what, what gazelle does and what they started doing is buying your old, uh, electronics from you. They buy your iPhone, they buy your iPad, they buy your galaxy tablet, they buy your MacBook, uh, they buy your old iPods and they make it super easy. You've heard us talk about this. Uh, you go to gazelle.com, you click on the button of what you want to sell. Do you want to sell an iPhone? You want to sell an Android? You want to sell your iPad? What, what do you want to sell? And then it asks you, okay, what kind of uh, iPad is this? And you say, oh, well, it's, you know, a second generation 32 gig. Okay, great. Does it have a cell, you know, does it have cell service on it or is it just Wi-Fi? Wi-Fi only. Okay, great. 
what kind of condition is it in? And they just, they don't ask you to go nuts. They ask you to, you know, three questions or three options. Is it terrible? Does it not work? Is it, you know, pretty good? Or is it, you know, brand new in the box? You pick one of those. And, uh, and then they tell you what the, they might ask you. Do you have the power adapter? Or are you going to set really that question isn't, do you have it? That's what they ask. What they mean is, are you going to keep it for yourself or are you going to send it to us? Because that makes a difference. And I, most of the time I just keep it for myself. I pay them, you know, they, I get a little bit less from them. I answer all the questions, comes back and it says, Hey, uh, we'll pay you X for this. Uh, and I wasn't doing this along with it. So I can't tell you what that number is um, without slowing the pace down here. But, uh, and then, and then that's it. At that point, you decide, do you want to send this uh, to them for that money or not? And if the answer is yes, they ship you a box. At that point, they ask you for your name and you know, your address because they got to ship you a box. And they ship you a box at their cost. Inside the box is all the instructions and the packing tape that you would need to send everything back to them. So you put your iPad in the box with the packing and all of that good stuff. You seal it up, you put the label on, and you ship it back to them. It gets back to them in a couple of days. They evaluate it, make sure you actually put your iPad in the box and that it matches all the specs and the condition. And they're really good about the condition thing. Uh, they, I've, I don't think I've ever had them tell me I was wrong. They kind of tell you how to evaluate condition and, um, and they really do stick to their, their, um, I'm sure there are times when somebody gets it wrong and they, they correct it. I have actually heard from listeners here that they've bumped it up a notch because it was better condition than you said it was, um, I'm sure there are times when they've bumped it down because if you overestimated the can or overstated the condition, uh, but by and large, it's, it's not a huge deal with them. It, it, it pretty much matches. And, uh, they, and then they send you your money. If there is a problem, they ask you, even if it's better, they'll ask you, do you, do you want the extra money or do you want your iPad back? And, uh, so you, you tell them and then they send you your money and that's it. And you can get it as an Amazon gift card. You can get it uh, as cat. Well, cash, you can get it as a check. You can get it into your PayPal account. Lots of options for getting your money. If you take the Amazon card, it, boost you by i think five points so you get an extra five percent on that now though they have all this stuff and they have their ways of of you know selling it off and wholesaling it and all that but you can also buy stuff certified used things from them at uh, buy.gazelle.com or just go to gazelle.com and click the buy certified button and uh you get a uh, 30-day risk-free return policy with that and they get great deals on all these used devices. They are used, but you're getting a heck of a deal on it. And they've all been refurbished through their thing and certified. And, uh, you know, if you're buying a cell phone from them, there's no contract, right? It goes through their whole inspection process. They say they go through 30 different things. And, uh, you know, you can get an iPhone 5 uh, for 239 bucks from them is where it starts. An iPad mini with retina display is like 249 and you go through and you just say, okay, I want to buy an iPhone 5 from you. Uh, I want it on AT&T. I want 32 gigs. Uh, I want it in, and they have multiple conditions listed. They don't have certified like new in that particular model right now. But you just say, okay, certified good. You want black or you want white? And it's uh, right now black is 259. White is 259. There you go. Good to go. 32 gig, iPhone 5, out of contract, completely free and clear. They send it to you. It's been certified by them. 30-day warranty on it so that you're not you know you get to test it out so you got to check this out gazelle.com g-a-z-e-l-l-e.com we certainly appreciate them being sponsors when you check out uh, on either side they will ask you where you heard from them heard about them who you heard from them from uh they ask you where the choose mac geek gab in the drop down because that's the right thing to do we appreciate it and they do too all right john what do you got here you helped chuck out didn't you well, I think we both help Chuck out. All right. But Chuck's running into something which, yeah, so Chuck has a tale of woe. 
but I think we helped him out here. No, I, I, I know we did. But here's what happened. So Chuck's had a pretty good track record. Um, but then he sent us a cry for help. <laughs> and he says to us, evidently for the first time since 1986. Wow. I think uh, you and I go back about that far with our computing yeah. adventures. Yeah. When did I we finally, meet? that's when we met in 1986. That's right. Uh, oh, it definitely okay, was. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it was 86, so, uh, 87. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been right. Yeah. Right about But there. he says, yeah. I finally stupidly clicked on the wrong link. Malware masquerading is an Adobe flash update. And he posted to the Apple discussion forums. He was freaking out because he was definitely, uh, he definitely downloaded something that wasn't rat, Dave. It happens. Right. And it happens. And, and you got to be now, you know, I'm, I'm not sure what sites he's going to and what ads he clicked on and how he eventually got to this place that said, I, I've seen them now and then in, in my surfing, Dave, especially if you go to some, you know, questionable sites. And, and I guess we'll just leave it at that. But um, <laughs> use open DNS saves you from that stuff. Oh, OK. So, so they help identify that. The thing is, actually, mm -hmm. also Safari will um that's true you know safari has a, a a form of blacklist as well which will warn you if you're going to a site that's uh you know not quite right yep right okay yeah it'll come up and, and safari and the other browsers if they hook into the google database will say whoa whoa this site you know some people say this you know isn't really right are you sure you want to go here and it's like okay you can override it but you, you may not want to so he downloaded something uh, which is known as malware as opposed to a virus. So I'm going to say malware is something masquerading as a legitimate installer for something like, in this case, Adobe Flash. Now, the reason that I figured um, he had malware, it, it was kind of uncertain. But then looking at the screenshots that he sent or, or he posted on the Apple site here, the reason that I believed he absolutely had some adware installed. Um, and what is adware, you may ask? And I'm going to tell you, adware is when a program installs, or actually what it does is it modifies certain key files within Safari or other browsers to either redirect you to a certain homepage, an inappropriate search page, or just injects ads within a page that normally does not have ads. And so he actually showed us a screenshot, which is on a valid Adobe site, and it had an ad right in the middle of it. In the middle of explaining to you how to install Flash, it had an ad. And when I looked at the page uh, through Safari on my machine, I didn't see that. So then I concluded, yes, you are infected. All right. Well, if you're infected with adware, which is tampered with your browser, what do you do, Dave? What do you do? Uh, reset your browser? Uh, you know, I'm not sure if that's going to fix it. Okay. Fair enough. You put me um, on the spot. That's what I do first. I don't know. But you may be right. I don't know that that's going to fix it. So... <sighs> The thing is, you can do a number of things. So one, Apple, believe it or not, actually has. I'm going to give you two pieces of advice. So one, and actually someone posted it, and I verified that it's a, it's a legitimate article here, but Apple actually has a very, I was actually very impressed with this, a very detailed article called Remove Unwanted Adware That Displays Pop-Up Ads and Graphics on Your Mac. That's exactly what was happening Wow. Um, to him here. Huh. Right. Well, that's, yeah, so, sure. So number one is, is, is that, so they tell you and they, they get into the nitty gritty here. So they actually go into the directories within your library folder for the most part, uh, library application support, li library launch agents, library, uh, other places 
where you're going to find plist files or, or other things that are just not right, that are things that these tools or the most uh, commonly known ones will install garbage. So they tell you how to get rid of it. And I believe I got a note back saying, yes, I actually identified this specific piece of adware. But, you know, this article gets kind of tedious and kind of geeky. And, and a lot of people are really not, a lot of people, I, I would admit, are really not too comfortable trying to get to these things. You may not know how to get to these places. So what else could you do? Well, you know what, Dave? You could read Mac Observer. I've heard of that site. Right? Yeah. Yeah, because you know what? We got this really sharp person on our staff here, Melissa. And she wrote an article called OS 10 removing adware with adware medic. So there's a, a wonderful piece of software that she will guide you through. Um, that basically is a, a piece of software that'll do a lot of this. It'll scan your system. It'll look for all these, you know, wacky files uh, and uh, tell you that they're there and get rid of them. And, you know, if you like what they do, you throw them a few bucks and uh, I, I'd say that's a good idea. So those are the pieces that I'm going to offer. I'm going to offer one last thing, Dave, and I've noticed this as of late. Yeah. Another thing is that if you do get a software installer and it's only, I've only seen it in the corner of my eye, but if people are using an Apple installer and they uh, get a certificate, you're going to notice in the upper right-hand corner of your installer, you're going to see a little lock. If you click on that, you're going to see a certificate for the person that published that piece of software. Now, unfortunately, not everybody uses it. And as far as I can tell, Adobe, uh, their installer does not use this mechanism, which shame on them. But then Adobe does all sorts of other crazy, non-standard stuff. I mean, right, have you installed true. Flash lately? Oh, I mean, yeah. What is wrong with these guys? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like you got to jump through like three different hoops to, to, to update Flash. You got to go into the browser. You got to get out of the browser. Yeah, why Flash doesn't auto-update? It is. It, I mean, why do I have to manually? I get that it wants me to approve the update. I like that, but why can't mm. it use like Sparkle, right? Which is the engine that's inside all—not all, but a lot of your kind of uh, indie dev apps. Sparkle's an engine that a different indie dev wrote, and uh, it, it you can easily bake it into your app to do auto updates, and that way you as a developer don't have to you know build that part of the widget. You just you know license this code and you're good to go. Uh, why? why Adobe makes us download a, a standalone thing and jump through all these hoops. It's like, dude, seriously, in this it's, day and age, it's because it's Adobe. Yeah. Well, that's true. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I suppose that, I don't know. You know, Adobe's been, I don't know. We give them a lot of, a lot of guff about this, certainly on the flash side, but they, they do some good things, right? Uh, Creative cloud and all that stuff. I don't know. All I'll say is, yeah, you got, uh, so, so like I mentioned, the thing is many installers have the little lock in the upper right hand corner. Click on that. You'll see the certificate or the identity of the person that made the installer. If you believe they are who they say they are, that's the best thing. Some people, and I'll admit, Dave, honestly, um, this is kind of a shortcoming in the Mac environment is not everybody uses a, an installer that has a certificate. A lot of them, they'll just, you'll run the DMG file and it'll be like, yeah, drag this app over. It's like, right. you don't know if it's legitimate or not. Right. Now you could using Gatekeeper, uh, I'll step back a bit here. Gatekeeper does help protect you from some apps that are questionable, right? So I suppose that's another thing. Um, I, I don't know if this yeah. uh, installer that was run uh, came up with a Gatekeeper alert. Um, I, I would suspect it would because I suspect it's not signed. Sounds like bad, bad stuff. So we'll see. Yeah, I know. Yeah. 
Anything else, sir? Uh, no, nope, I'm good. The, you know, but but the Apple article uh, uh, helped him identify what was bad, and and apparently now he's not getting all those uh, all those ads, which is good. Well, inappropriate ads or unexpected. Sure. Yeah. Right. 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 Uh, you know, we've been talking, John, a couple of times. We've we've discussed solutions or workarounds or remedies, I should say, for uh, the incrementing host name where your computer name starts appearing on the network as your computer name one and then your computer name two and, and, and so on and so forth. Uh, and we've talked about why this happens and all that and how to deal with it. But but we haven't had a solution yet. And really, the solution will need to come from Apple, as we've discussed. However, Francois hipped us to an article at iSpireMe or iSpire.me. Uh, somebody there found a um a a uh, a terminal command and a an unpublished switch by apple that allows you to change this this setting and the setting is uh it and well i mean we're not going to talk through all the the nitty gritty but effectively what you add is or what you what you write is add program arguments string no name change that's it and then this works now I don't know what happens if you have a uh, an honest to goodness conflict where you really do have two computers with the same name and they both have no name change set. That would potentially create a uh, an interesting situation. But we'll put a link to this. Thanks, Francois, for uh, for sending that along. I I love that kind of stuff because uh, that you know right now that's the workaround. Right? It's pretty good. I, well, I think the well, the only thing we had in the past was, yeah, the, the whole uh, energy, uh, you know, don't wake on a startup. Yeah, right. Which you or, might want to do, right? I mean, it's reasonable that, that, you know. Which was a facet, I think, of a solution for this, but it, it goes deeper than that. But yeah, dude, I mean, if you can provide an argument to a mystical. Uh, yeah, some mystical service. Right. Yeah, exactly. Program saying, uh, dude, by the way, don't, don't change. The don't, don't change. My, don't change my computer's <laughs> name, dude. <laughs> That's what it is, right? Hey, Dude. hey, brah, leave the name alone. I mean, that's what it is. That's what you want to do. That's how it works. So, <laughs> thank you. Why can't you. you just tell, well, not Siri on the Mac, no. but whatever on the Mac. Why can't you just say, yo, yo. change my name, Yeah, bro. don't change my name. Or I, sis or yeah, whatever. You're giving me an identity crisis here. Uh, <laughs> Keith wrote this wonderful letter, um, and I'm going to share it here because it really does... Um, you know, we, we put a lot of work into doing the show every week. And, um, and what the funny part is, yes, it, you know, we hear from you that you get benefit out of the work that, that we intentionally do. Uh, we hear from so many of you, uh, and Keith's letter kind of highlights this in a great way uh, about the work that we don't intentionally do that that's equally as helpful in it. It's inspiring. I love it. So I, I really wanted to share it. He says, uh, my wife's MacBook Pro was having frequent random crashing for the past several months. Once I finally was motivated enough to look into it, I was able to decipher uh, from console logs to determine that it was likely a memory issue. Tech Tool Pro verified that the memory was bad. Um, I remember Dave mentioning on a recent show that most memory uh, has a lifetime warranty on it. Thanks to my diligent record keeping, I was able to dig up my receipt from 2011 and contact Kingston for an RMA. I received a replacement RAM earlier this week, and there have been no crashes since reinstallation, nor were there any crashes in the Macro Pro while the RAM was being processed. If I had not remembered that you guys said uh, what you said about the memory, 
I'd likely would have started looking for replacement memory to buy, and that would be a shame since prices seem to have doubled for this RAM since I bought it. I've had many components fail on Macs over the years, but this is my first memory issue. Now I know what to look for. So yeah, and you know, it's the funny thing is, as I'm reading Keith's comment, I realized, wow, he's doing the same thing, right? So we're reading this comment that's a really nice thing and an inspiring thing, and it it it's it's awesome. So thank you, Keith. But uh, in it, he says Tech Tool Pro verified the memory was bad, and there's the offhanded tip, right? If you want to verify memory on your Mac, there are lots of different programs that can do this. Tech Tool Pro is probably the easiest one to deal with. There's MemTest. And that's, I'm just going to leave you with the word MemTest. You can go and search about how to find a version of MemTest to run on your Mac. And it's always this weird moving target. I've done it many times. It's very reliable. But if you don't feel like dealing with that, Tech Tool Pro is the way to go. So thanks for sharing that even though you didn't intend to. So Keith, you're now one of the club and, uh, and that's what it is. It's a big, happy family here. So, all right. Uh, well, while we're, while we're on the subject, I guess we should move to diagnosing memory leaks because that's perhaps oh. a reason to have more Ram. Uh, I got a, I got a slam dunk on this one. Do yo. you really? But, oh, awesome. Yeah. All right. You know what I want to do? I want to do though, is I want to talk about, uh, uh, Drobo first because they are uh one of the sponsors of the show the folks at drobo um have been have been favorites of ours for a long time with uh with their direct connected devices for sure that's that's kind of what they came out with they pioneered this whole concept of uh a a multi-drive storage unit that was easy for people to manage right it's a a data robot I, i believe is really where that that you know, I mean, it's, I mean, it's Drobo, it's data robotics, but it was that whole thing of it's a robot, and and it man it inside it, it moves all your data around on these disks, and a protects it against a uh, failure of of any one of the disks, uh, and b makes it super simple so that you don't have to be a super geek to do this. Uh, if anybody out there has ever set up a RAID array, you can do this on your own. It's not difficult. I mean, it it's just that it is, and it's a pain in the neck. Right. Because you've got to have drives of all the same size. And if one drive dies, you have to replace it with a drive of the same size. And if you replace it with a larger drive, that's great. But you won't get the storage available in that larger drive until at best you've replaced all the drives in the unit with larger drives. That's not the case with Drobo. Right. With Drobo, you just put drives in and it uses all the storage that it possibly can. And uh, and and it it saves uh, it saves you from one drive dying as well. And you can actually set it to save you from up to two drives dying in the unit, which is I was crazy. Gonna say that. Yeah. yeah. If you want to. Uh, so I think you get less usable space. Of course. But you get the added benefit that, okay, if two drives die, which is highly unlikely, but hey, who it, knows? It can happen. Well, the reason <laughs> it can awesome. happen is when, when one drive dies, your system is now unprotected, right? And you, you, you know, you, so you get another drive, you take the bad drive out, you, you put a replacement drive in. And the nice part is with the Drobo, you can put a larger drive in. But now what needs to happen is this whole process of relaying out your data to include the new drive in the in the hive, if you will. Right. That's not their word. That's mm-hmm. mine. And that process of relaying out the data beats the heck out of all of the drives in the system because it's reading data from all of them and writing data to all of them and just kind of moving things around and getting it back into uh, into top shape. If you have a second drive that is close to failure, that operation could compromise you know the integrity of that drive so if you have two drive protection that would be a beneficial thing right and drobo allows that 
So you can choose. I've, I've never had a drive die that way, but I always worry about it. Right. When I'm, when I have one that, that goes, you know, I always worry, well, we're now we're going to stress the rest of these. So that's what Drobo does. So they've got, you know, and they've been doing this a long time this year. They came out with the gen three, um, direct attached Drobo. And this thing's awesome. And, uh, and it's, it's inexpensive. Uh, it's, well, it's, it's, uh, let's see it's three forty nine, but with that coupon code I mentioned at the beginning of the show, Holiday Geek, uh, for the next week-ish, I think until December 29th, uh, you get $90 off. So you can get that thing empty for 259 bucks with this coupon at drobostore.com. That's awesome, right? And then you just put drives in. It's a four-bay unit. It can connect with USB. Uh, it's USB 3 capable. So if your Mac is USB 3 capable, it'll speed up to that. If it's only USB 2, it works fine at USB 2. Um, and then uh, it, it, it's it, it's just simple. You put some software on your Mac and it just manages it. You throw drives in and you're done. It, it appears as one volume and, and you're good to go. And you can kind of manage things and uh, move things around. They also have their network unit, the Drobo 5N, and also their uh, sort of higher-end direct-attached unit, which is the Drobo 5D. It has they, they both have five bays in them. The 5D has Thunderbolt. Um, the 5N is a gigabit Ethernet device and, and can do some other things. It's got a Plex server in it. Uh, you can add crash plan to it by going to droboports.com if you want to get geeky. This is good stuff. Um, I like the path they're heading down. They've got good management there now. Uh, Holiday Geek will get you 90 bucks off of the Drobo 5D or the Drobo 5N as well. So whatever Drobo you want of the Gen 3, the 5D, and the 5N, which really is what you're going to be looking for, um, Holiday Geek is the coupon code. It's valid through midnight Pacific time of 1229, December 29th. So go check that all out at drobostore.com and make sure to thank them for being uh, sponsors and supporters of the show. They're good folks over there and we, uh, we really, we really like them. Appreciate the partnership. All right, John, let's go to, let's go to Robin here because it's, I think it's time. Of course it's time. Uh, let's see, where are we going with this? Robin says, I have Yosemite running on both my MacBook Pro Retina and my Mac Mini, both with 16 gigs of RAM. Uh, everything's updated and uh, all of that, and I'm running iStat menus. Since upgrading my MacBook Pro to Yosemite, I've noticed a problem. After it boots, it works fine, but over the course of the day, it seems to slow down, and towards the end of the day, swapping between apps can cause a beach ball to appear. iStat menus, memory seems to show everything was fine and no real memory pressure. However, I delved into iStat menus and found an option un under memory to show as normal, not pressure. So I changed over to traditional. Now I have more info. And I do that too with iStat menus. Pressure is not an interesting metric to me, at least not at this point in time. I still what, like to know. What is it? Yeah, so memory pressure I'm, is... I'm trying to find an explanation of what exactly memory pressure means. I see it in my various tools, yeah. including Activity Monitor and iStat. Do you know what it even means? Is it good? Is it bad? Is it just a, a, a metric? I, I, I'm well, it seriously. Means, it means that RAM is being compressed or the contents of RAM are being compressed or a, okay. a significant enough percentage of the contents of RAM are being compressed to make room for other things. And that's where pressure comes in, right? Because so now is that good or bad or bad. just what it is? It's oh, bad. It's bad. Okay. Well, it's, it's okay. potentially bad because it's going to slow you down. You're using more RAM than you have. And the system is needing to compensate for that um, in an, in a, any, a significant way. So pressure is bad, but before you get to memory pressure, you will run out of memory, right? Or you get to a level of memory pressure that the system's going to report. You will have run out of memory and traditional view in iStat menus gives you that 
idea of how much is actually free, not how much is free ish. Right. And so uh, over the day, uh, Robin continues this number of uh, she says, when I start my computer, everything loads and I have about eight gigs of free memory over the day. This shrinks noticeably, even though I'm rarely running anything memory heavy. The part that seems to grow the most is inactive memory, even though I am not opening or closing apps. I have half a dozen or so apps open all day, and that's about it. Toward the end of the day, the system is compressing memory and swapping to disk quite heavily. Running Activity Monitor does not show any app in particular taking up excessive memory other than the kernel, but it is in the normal range of one and a half gigs or so. Uh, if I compare this to my Mac Mini, it never ever seems to show any inactive memory and sits with a comfortable six gigs of free memory all day. I feel sure there must be a memory leak somewhere, but neither iStat or Activity Monitor seems to be able to point the finger for me. I've been on with Apple and uh, they deleted, they had me delete lots of prefs, leave lists and caches, but to no avail. All right. So I had this issue, John. Um, I, I, it was very, very similar. I knew I was running out of Ram because I could see it. I could, I, and I also saw the symptoms of it. Things really slow down when you start paging out to disc a lot, even with an SSD. Um, and so what I did was I started quitting apps one by one and watching to see how much RAM freed up. Um, and I found that the Twitter app, the, the Twitter, I, I, I use Twitter's um, uh, client, right? The one that they wrote or that they acquired and, and now release. And uh, as soon as I quit that, even though it was only reporting or activity monitor was only reporting that it was using what 400 megs of RAM or something gigabytes of uh, free space opened up shortly after, like within 10 seconds of me uh, quitting that app. And it turns out that Twitter stores its caches in a way that it's not reported as being part of Twitter. It's part of this inactive memory. Inactive memory is uh, things that the system can use. Uh, it like Think of it like a cache, right? Inactive memory is stuff that has been loaded into RAM. And since we have extra RAM, we might as well leave it here. But uh, if we don't need it, it can be purged. But these things don't always get purged the way you would expect them to so that the system remains excuse me, so that the system remains efficient. So uh, for me, it was the Twitter app, but I don't know what it would be for you, Robin. So, I, you know, but I would recommend following the same process. Open up Activity Monitor, take a look at how much free RAM and how much swap you're using and quit apps one by one. And, and then as you quit, wait and see what the effect is on your RAM. And if it's any more or a significant amount more than just that one uh, chunk that the the app said or the activity monitor said the app was using, then you've stumbled onto it. Uh, but John, I think you you've headed down a different path with this. I did. So as you know, Dave, I got the shiny new computer here. Still got shiny. Gobs are yeah, it's still shiny. Awesome. Um, got gobs of RAM now. It has an SSD and everything's great. Then all of a sudden, I noticed. So so Dave, I've noticed with this machine. So I'm running Yosemite on my uh, MacBook Pro 2012 machine. Got 16 gigs of RAM. And typically under normal, if I'm not stressing it with uh, running uh, parallels or aperture, something that gobbles RAM uh, that I expected to, I'm cool. But all of a sudden I noticed. Um, so I'm looking right now and I have, I'm using about two gigs of my 16 gigs uh, according to iStat menus. Wow. Hmm? Wow. I'm saying that's, that's like, you've got that much RAM free. That's amazing. Yeah. So, so the thing is, uh, and actually I would say that at least, uh, you know, for normal operation, 
16 gigs is probably too much. Well, the thing is, no, if I run a virtual machine and I'm running a Windows virtual machine, I want to give it maybe four or eight gigs. Yeah, so, sure. Uh, yeah. Then it gobbles it up. Uh, you know, I plan for this. So, but then all of a sudden, Dave, I noticed, um, and I didn't know why at first, all of a sudden I noticed that my used RAM started going up to one, two, three, four, five. Then I looked and I stat menu started showing that I was using swap and a significant amount of swap because what happens with most Unix type operating systems is if you start getting closer, as, as you start consuming more RAM, it'd be like, uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to use disk for some of this. Cause it looks like you're, you're kind of out of control, dude. All right. And that's what was happening. I was like, what is going on? So, one of the first things you could do is run something like iStat Menus or even Activity Monitor Yep, and see what's gobbling the RAM. And you know what was gobbling my RAM, Dave? Was something called Finder Sync Extension. Okay, so it was actually telling you that this was, was gobbling up your RAM right there in Activity Monitor. Correct. Okay. So it was showing this That's helpful. mysterious yeah. process. Uh, it was in the list of processes mm -hmm. in both iStat Menus and in Activity Monitor. And it was taking... Yeah, it was it was taking like three, four, uh, or so gigs of RAM in the in the list, and I'm like, what? Who who is this? <laughs> who's on my turf here, man? Who who's who's taking all the RAM? Um, and as it turns out, here's the way to find out, or at least here is how I found out, Dave. And and the problem has since been resolved. But so I went to the monitor. I'm sorry about that sound. We were having a wow. What you, was that? <laughs> so. I mentioned that you were sound like somebody dropping the bomb. Yeah, I dropped the bomb on somebody in the chat room. Uh, we they, we had a spammer in there that was just causing all kinds of problems, and I had forgotten. Really? Yeah, uh, it, they're gone now, uh, as evidenced by the bomb. Um, I, right now, we've got a oh. separate audio setup, and John is actually running out of the uh, <laughs> the, uh, the 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 direct out from my Mac as opposed to through the USB because USB audio, at least with this Tascam device sucks in Mavericks and Yosemite because of the way Apple did core audio stuff and broke a lot of things. And I had forgotten that kicking this user was going to make my Mac make a sound, which then goes out your port. And now everybody hears it. So there you go. Yep. Sorry about Why that. Why would folks. you? Oh, so they came up with an anonymous name and, and just started banging on the keyboard. Yeah, oh, pretty much. That's, that's real mature. Yeah, yeah well, you know, nice. it might not be yeah, it might, it might not be intentional, right? Could have been an accident. Yeah, could have yeah, been exactly. buck dialing or something, who knows. Yeah. All right. Yeah. We, we won't. So, assigned it, to malice what could be explained by stupidity. That's so, right. But sorry. I do like the bomb sound. It's almost like we need to use this for for something uh in the future, but you know, we'll 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 leave that on the table for now. So, I my apologies, right. John, and to every to everyone for uh, for the interruption. So, go, please continue. <laughs> no. Gotta blow funny. up the spammers, so, man. <laughs> so again, I see this process, and and the name of it is in the list of processes. Uh, so I go to Activity Monitor. I found the process in question, Dave. I double clicked on it. In an Activity Monitor, if you double click on something, typically you will get additional options, and one of them is Open Files and Ports. And that is what led me to find out who was doing this. And actually it showed me the path, the specific path. And it was, I believe it was a, a slash applications slash. So I was looking for something that was ending in this uh, mysterious process here. This, uh, 
what was the name of it here? I'm sorry. I'm about yeah, finder, uh, finder sync extension, finder sync extension. Yeah. So basically once I double clicked on finder sync extension in the process list, I then looked at the open files and ports and I looked at the list here and uh, well, it's good news, bad news. So the bad news is that when I looked, um, it was actually within the package for the uh, transporter desktop software. Ah, so that's the bad news. Sure. The good news. Well, uh, so the bad news is it was, uh, so transporter just released 3.0. We yes. love these guys. They, they constantly come up with new updates and new features and stuff. And I had just downloaded the latest 3.0 release. Unfortunately, it looks like they had a little memory leak. Got what it. is a memory leak? You may ask a memory leak is when a program asks for memory and it does not release it. And this specific sub process within their software at least on my machine, was not releasing memory. That's why my used memory continued to grow and grow and grow. And then I started swapping, which I normally never do, right. especially with this amount of RAM, Dave. Right. Um, hats off to them. The thing is, I, I looked a couple of days ago and they said, oh, here's an update. And, and it includes yeah. a, what we'll call quality improvements. I think one of the quality improvements is, uh, yeah, we kind of fixed that memory leak. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> So I don't blame them that, the, you know, any point oh release uh, is bound to have uh, little hiccups here. It didn't, you know, take my system down. It just started sure. slowly over time consuming memory. And, well, and that's the tiny, that's the kind of thing that's actually really hard to, um, to diagnose pre-release, right? Because you, uh, you test in environments that you think are like what your users use, but there's no way to test for every permutation of of what type of system and what other apps and what other finder extensions right. are there right and so these are the those types of memory leaks they're the kind of to me they're the most innocuous right i mean it's like oh, yeah. okay and it happened over time yep right it wasn't it's not like a hard it happened crash. like in an hour yeah the thing is left to its own devices it would eventually have consumed all memory and, and probably and probably uh, filled up your system. disk very unresponsive yeah. but like, the thing is it, it it just it slowly happened, and the thing is, I I just noticed again. I'm like, you know, like the Twitter okay, app never... still does. I mean, this is a right, year ago. I found this. Yeah, it's crazy. So you know, kudos to the the connected data Drobo folks for fixing that quickly, as opposed to the Twitter folks who just freaking ignore it. That's eh, no no big deal. It's fine. <laughs> Not only are they going to fill up Twitter. my my disk and my ma my RAM because of swap space, but they also store every. Um, the icon, the avatar icon of every user that I've, that has ever come across my Twitter stream, it's stored and this will grow Sweet. to gigabytes. Oh yeah, it's great. I'll put an article in of how you can go clean this out. It's, it's not that bad, but you know, it's not that bad cleaning it out, but you got to know to do it. It's, it's irresponsible. Anyway, my, my rant is done. I'm sorry. <laughs> I had to vent a little No, it's bit. good. But I, I was very, I, I was very happy that activity monitor on its own in, in conjunction was able to let me, uh, uh, you know, you have to parse because when, when you click on this open files and ports thing, you're going to get a whole boatload of things here. You, you got to, you got to sift through it yeah. and you got to kind of intelligently figure out, okay, what is really taking all the memory? And this was so, yeah. um, and I think the same thing you mentioned here is that when I quit the transporter app, eventually the memory footprint started going down. So it frees up. That was yeah. a confirmation that this was, uh, for whatever reason, uh, causing this, you know, temporary, uh, hiccup. It's good stuff. All right. Well, 
I think we've hit the end of what we're going to talk about with questions today. Uh, we've got a couple of uh, last, I, this is our last show before Christmas, right, John? So uh, we've got, I, I think we're at the end of the gift uh, giving season, certainly at the tail end of the gift buying season. But there might be some stuff you want for you. So, you know, I've, I've kind of selected a couple of things from my list, at least today, that are things that even if you don't get them for somebody else, if you didn't get them for Christmas, well, you might buy them for you or whatever holiday it is you happen to celebrate to to support the commercialism and, and boost up profits here in Q4. No, it's good. It really is good for the economy. I, I, I like it. It's good. Um, so I've yeah. got I've got two things, John. Um, one. So we all know about the Parrot AR drone that came out years ago, and then they had the, the AR drone too. These are expensive, but they're awesome, right? You control this drone with your iPhone. Uh, it's a you know helicopter that flies, and you can connect a camera to it, and all that uh, all that good stuff. But but they're not cheap. Well, they're worth it. They're just not cheap. Uh, they came out with one that is ninety nine bucks. It's called the uh, Parrot Mini Drone Rolling Spider, and. Uh, and this thing is awesome. It's it's pretty small, but you can put wheels on it, A, that protect it while you're flying it around, and B, you can kind of roll it across the floor and then roll it up walls by, you know, sort of angling it to fly against the wall, but it's got these wheels on either side. This thing is so, so cool. Um, it's got, uh, in it, like I said, you control it with your iPhone. It's uh, you can do all kinds of crazy aerobatics with it. And because it's got this protection on it, you probably can get a little bit more aggressive with it than you might. Uh, otherwise, you can take the wheels, uh, the, the, you know, the protection off it and then, you know, you're on your own and then you can roll the thing and go nuts. But um, yeah, you just download an iPhone app. It's ninety nine bucks uh, from uh, from Parrot dot com. And, uh, you know, there you go. That's it. That's uh it's pretty easy to fly, but you can get nuts with it if you want to. So that's that's my first addition to uh, Cool Stuff Found. Ninety nine bucks, Parrot's uh, Mini Drone Rolling Spider. So I've, I've I've only played with it a little bit, but uh, I'm kind of addicted, and I, I think they want me to send it back at some point, and I'm I'm not entirely happy about that. So yeah, it uses uh uses Bluetooth to uh, to connect to it. So you got you know some range on that thing, and good to go. What do you got, John? Anything? <sighs> no, I think I'll give you one thing. Yeah, go uh, it was another thing I, I pulled out of the goodie bag here, but um, yeah, uh, we've mentioned it before in a different uh, form factor, but um, this is something that uh, I think a lot of people would use. So I, I've seen a lot of talk about this. You ever lose something, Dave? Yeah, your mind, your your yes. uh, your sanity. Oh yeah, I lost your, it today uh, when I uh, I had to yell at a referee. I was doing the score. And, uh, ah, yeah. Well, um, it happened. Well, these guys have something, and and so I finally uh, activated the the goodie that I was given here, and uh, so it's called the tracker sticker. Mm. You know, I've talked about that before. It's a yeah. tracker. What do they make? And they make a, a track a, a tracking product. So it's basically a little uh, device. Now this one is a different form factor. The one I talked about in the past was a wallet shaped uh, or it was meant to be put in a wallet well okay. this one is even smaller it's a small little button so uh you can put it on your keys you can put it on a pet um and it's a like you know you were saying dave it's a bluetooth uh bluetooth enabled uh tracking device uh it'll both tell you 
if you're running the app, uh, approximately where the device is. You can also run the app and it will beep, beep, beep to let you know where the thing is. Um, they also have a crowdsourcing feature. And um, what's the other thing that it does? Um, I guess that's really about it. So, uh, you know, the device itself, a uh, single one here is uh, $24.95. That's not too bad. And the that's more you bad. buy, the more you save. So oh. you could buy two or four. Um, actually, I see. Oh, I'm looking on the website now. So if you buy four, you get four free. So you can buy four for $99.95. So, um, wow. It's really kind of a cool concept. Uh, I've, I've seen some people actually in my feed as of late saying, oh, dude, I, you know, I'm getting old, man, and I lose my glasses. How am I going to find them? And, and they have this other device called the Tile, I think, yeah. uh, w- which I've seen. Yeah. But it's kind of big. This thing's kind of small. Nice. So, uh, want to track your stuff here i'd suggest yeah single unit 2495 you get the software and uh you can find your stuff so it's, uh, it's pretty cool but again for those of us that are getting old and just kind of forget things dave yeah dave john dave, uh, that, that's your name right what yeah okay just, just check <laughs> uh, uh, yeah so i have one last thing and i you know as i put this together i actually didn't realize the parrot Thing worked on bluetooth i had no idea what you were going to talk about you talked about something that works on bluetooth and and this last thing i did know worked on bluetooth but we have a totally bluetooth oriented uh uh gift uh gift guide or or perhaps purchase for yourself guide depending on when you're listening and what your uh, proclivities are uh this is the audio engine b1 bluetooth music receiver so what it is is it is a, a blue uh, a device that you plug into the wall you plug it into some uh, either directly into speakers uh, or into your home theater unit. It's got both um, analog outputs with RCA jacks or uh, a toss link optic optical output and it's Bluetooth. So you can send Bluetooth audio from your Mac or iOS device to it. Um, this device has a 24 bit 96 kilohertz. I believe 96 correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, 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 digital audio converter in it. Now, you're not going to be sending 24-bit audio over Bluetooth because a uh, that's just not how Bluetooth works. However, it does support the aptX um, standard of sending effectively CD quality-ish audio, which is 16-bit, um, over Bluetooth. Uh, your Mac supports that. My 2007 iMac supports that. So. Uh, probably any Mac you have is going to be able to send high quality sound. And then inside the thing, it upsamples. Now I'm not going to get into this right now. We will get into this in a future show. Uh, there is, uh, been a lot of science and actually a lot of, uh, AB testing to prove that the human ear can't actually hear anything higher. Can't hear the difference between 16 and 24 bit, but there are great reasons to use 24 bit at certain times, just not for storing your files. Um, great to use it in the recording process because you want a lot more room because you're going to be editing things and you want to end up with something that's larger than 16 bits so that you can then shrink it down to that without losing any, um, you know, you don't want to start lower and go up, uh, because you can tell the difference, say between eight bit and 16. Some of us can, uh, some people can't, uh, there's also an argument to use 24 bit on the playback end, which is what these folks are doing here. You're taking your 16 bit audio, they upsample it and then, uh, send it out, potentially creating more headroom uh, so that you wind up with less noise uh, in the signal. And I'll tell you, I have played stuff back through this Audio Engine B1, and it's awesome. Uh, you know, this is one of those things where your ears do the talking, and um, and it's fantastic. Smooth sound, way better. I, I plugged my Mac directly into a pair of speakers, 
and then uh, I plugged this thing in and sent it over over Bluetooth, and the the difference was remarkable. Uh, there was more low end, there was um, more high end. The mids were smoother, and again, nothing changed. It was the same speakers, same source audio file. It was a a um, an Apple lossless file, so I was dealing with you know full data. And uh, even with MP3s, though, you know, things compressed down to 256 or, or, or 320 or even 128. I didn't I don't know that I tested. I don't know that I have anything that I care about in 128. But um, but 256K, like AACs that come from iTunes, everything sounded better through this thing. It's 189 bucks. Uh, certainly makes it easier to connect your Mac up to your home stereo if you have a distance between you. And even if you don't, um, there is quite a quality improvement using a good external digital audio uh, converter, the DAC. There's one inside your Mac. Obviously, everything inside your Mac is digital and your ears are analog. So to get to speakers, you're going to be using a digital audio converter. And your Mac has one in there, but it's also powered by the same power supply that your CPU and your hard drive and your display. And so there's a lot of noise in the power stream there. And having one that has a discrete power supply, external, um, connected only via Bluetooth, actually makes a difference. So, so there you go. That's the audio engine B1. Um, I, I was, I was really blown away. Actually, I didn't, I knew it would be fine. I didn't expect to be wowed by this thing. Um, and we've talked about it sort of as a solution for other things in the show before because of its wireless ability. But, um, but quality wise, I was really, really blown away. So there you go. 189 bucks. If you want to, if you want to get one of those for yourself. That's not coming. That's coming through a USB uh, digital audio converter. It's probably going to crackle because right. you know that's how that works. The sound that we're hearing now, the music. You're not coming yeah. through a USB DAC. You're coming through the one built into my Mac. All right. Yeah. Well, hey, so, I'm glad you thought out the band because it's uh, a little chilly. We got a little, uh, a little. Uh, it's a nip in the air. White stuff here. Uh, this morning and this evening. Yeah. Not, nothing significant. Maybe we'll see that's a white right. Christmas. Who knows. Oh, is that right? I haven't even looked at the weather for uh, for the week. We haven't seen, you know, uh, other than a, a, a day of like slush and ice and stuff. Uh, and one day I woke up to a, a light cover. Dude, we've had no significant snow here. I mean, this is really bizarre compared to last year. I mean, dude, I was digging digging out like multi-foot <laughs> snow drifts. That's not good. I don't yeah. know what's going on, man. The planet's messed up. That's all crazy. Yeah, it's supposed to be nearly 60 degrees here on Christmas Day. 70 percent chance of rain yeah outstanding yeah well you know that's how it goes all right somebody told me to shut up about snow i'm not going to shut up about snow because i i, I kind of like snow Just, i do too i'm you with know, you uh, uh, yeah. and in a uh, moderate quantities not not you know mo- uh, once we're talking past the foot then then it gets kind of no that's actually where i like it best i like i, I you know if we're just going to get an inch of snow that sucks but if we're going to get like a foot and a half two feet of snow yeah bring it on <laughs> No, because it shuts everything. <laughs> this is this is partially because of the way I am, right? I, I rarely have blocks of time where I don't have anything to do, right? We're crazy people. It's our own fault. But um, mm-hmm. but the snow just shuts everything down when you get like two feet of it, just for a little while. I mean, then the yeah. plow's coming. It's all good, you know, within a couple it's, hours. It's, it's quiet. It's the quiet. It dampens, it dampens everything. It does. There's that muffled silence. I love it. Um, Absorbed. Yeah. So I, I look forward to that every time we have a big snowstorm. Doesn't sound like this week is going to be that, uh, though. No. 
All right. Well, we got somebody in the room here that apparently uh, runs a, a, as a uh, professional runs a plow. So he's shaking his fist. Oh, at us. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, but, that's uh, tough. Hats off to you, man. Yeah, that's a tough job. That is a tough is, job. Yeah. yeah. Just don't uh, stay away from my mailbox. Well, my mailbox well, is inside it, of my house. So. Yeah. This this particular <laughs> listener plows the snow in New York City. So he's going to stay away from everybody's mailbox. <laughs> Your mailbox ain't on the street there. So. Uh, that's a real challenge, man. Yeah. And again, hats off to you, May. Yeah. Friend. Yeah, yeah. All right. Feedback at MacGeekGum.com is the address to which you can send in anything you want to send in for uh, for the next show we're going to do. Or or one after that. Whatever you like. Yeah, Dave, you know, I got a present for you. What's and that? It's wrapped up. I'm going to unwrap it. And here it is. <laughs> it's feedback at MacGeekGum.com. Seriously, feedback at MacGeekUp.com is what you're going to say. Oh, that's my gift. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's been well. feedback at MacGeekUp.com has been good to us this year. That's why we even said it a fourth time in this episode. So, uh, 206-666-GEEK wow. is the number you can call. John, that number translates to 4335. But there's more. But wait, there's less. Go, no, go ahead. And the more is, I would say... Uh, where I like to hang, and Dave likes to hang, and a lot of people like to hang. Maybe you should hang out there, too. Twitter.com. I. Well, no, it's not all about me. It's about him. He is Dave Hamilton. I am Jonathan Braun. That other guy is Pilot Pete. The podcast is Mac Egad. And the publication is Mac Observer, all at Twitter.com. Outstanding. Michael Johnston is Michael Johnston at Twitter. Uh, he is the one who converts this show to AAC, and he will, I believe, be doing this show or have done this show, depending on which feed you listen to. Uh, he also is the host of the iOS show podcast. Highly recommend you listen to that. Caxfly. Hear that? Skipping? Crap. Um, this USB stuff, especially this the Tascam interface. It's out. This show proved to me it's out. All right. Uh, Cashfly is also Cashfly at, at Twitter. Well, it's not going to be fixed. It's going to be replaced. Um, That's they a are, fix. Yeah, it is. That's true. They are the ones that provide the bandwidth to get the podcast from us to you and have it in their points of presence all over the uh, the planet here. So uh, I can't wait till they have a point of presence in space. That's going to be awesome. So maybe that's 2015 for those guys. Thanks, Cashfly. Uh, let's see. We have our uh, sponsors in the marketplace. Of course, we have uh, the folks at Drobo at drobostore.com holiday geek get you 90 bucks off of the gen 3 5d and 5n gazelle.com to sell back or buy your used ios and uh mac uh devices there barebones.com with bb edit smilesoftware.com squarespace.com slash mgg coupon code mgg gets you 10 percent off lynda.com slash mgg gets you uh 10 days free so that's all I have to say. Actually, that's not all I have to say. I have to say uh, Merry Christmas, John. I won't. Uh, I may not talk to you before Thursday. I'll talk to you after that. So, Merry Christmas, my friend. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Well, how about Happy Holidays or Happy Hanukkah or or whatever? But, all you know, I, I, think all I have to say is thank the, you. That's it. Yes. <laughs> Likewise. But I think there's one wish that I think we can apply to everyone, Dave. And you know what that is? What's that? It's don't. Are you sure? Are we not supposed to get caught? <laughs> I got caught here. I didn't have the audio file ready. So is there anything else you'd like to wish everyone? I think um, Merry Christmas oh, to everybody. Festivus. Happy Festivus. Festivus, Festivus is, is coming up. 
I, I think we're coming up to the, the the feats of strength. I think is 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 the first uh, right. That's Tuesday night. That's right. That's Festivus with the pole and the feats of strength and everything. Happy Festivus, everybody. We'll see you next time. <laughs> Made up. <laughs> That's awesome.